Truth and Reality with host Chris Houston. A show for those with a passion for the paranormal. And now, welcome to the show. Welcome to Paranormal Truth and Reality. I'm your host, Christopher Houston, and we are here with Kaylee Brooks. Kaylee Brooks is actually fairly new to the paranormal herself, but she's had a lot of experiences uh, since she was a child. Now is 35. She's exploring many of her abilities she's learned, as well as looking deeply into the paranormal. So we brought her over here to share some of those experiences. Welcome, Kaylee. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's not a problem. It's what paranormal truth and reality is about. We have the, the uh, well-known guests, and we also have the normal people like you and myself that have had experiences and just want to talk about it and share what we know so far. <laughs> so let's start from the beginning a little bit. What made you decide to go the path of the paranormal? Uh, well, it really wasn't my decision. I think it was just a, um experience that I had when I was five. Uh, with my grandmother that kind of led me down the path of multiple experiences throughout my lifetime. Well, I think a lot of people start with experiences early on. It's uh, common here in the United States. Some people have, and I've got a couple of investigators that are friends of mine, and they uh, they just dove into it about eight or nine years ago. One was about 12 years ago. But most of us, we grew up with it. That's really kind of how you jumped into it you kind of you hear the stories your family's had experiences or you end up in a situation that's had experiences and then it just kind of leaves you with that uh question i guess you could say (laughs) yeah so you said early on you had experiences what um was it what uh what was the what were your age was your age at the time uh i was about five Okay. Oh, when I had my first one. Okay. Well, let's, um, talk, let's talk about that a little bit. How did you feel? Uh, scared, but I would say curious as well. <coughs> um, I, but, well, I guess I'll just <laughs> explain. Um, my uh, grandma had a very old house. It was about two stories. And... Um, Every day, I would find myself at the bottom of the stairs that uh, she had, and I would be staring at the basement. I mean, not the basement, the attic. And for some strange reason, I was drawn to it. I had no idea why. just kept having this feeling to go up there. just kind of drawn to it. And uh, every day, I would stand there at the bottom of the stairs, but I would never go up. And uh, one day my, my grandmother grabbed me by the arm and she's like, come on, you know, we'll have a look up there and I'll show you that there's nothing to be afraid of. So we went up there and uh, she, we went up and got into the attic and she sat down on some boxes and I was standing in front of her. And she's like, see, now there's nothing to be afraid of. And just as she said that, I remember seeing a little blue orb that shot out from behind her back, kind of hovered in the air, and it just kind of sank and went through the floor. And uh, she's like, I, I must have had a, you know, a look on my face because she's like, what did you see? And I, I told her what I saw. I saw an orb and everything. And 
the shocking part to me was the first question out of her mouth was, well, who do you think it was? And I'm just like, without hesitation, I said, I I think it was my grandfather. And uh, it wasn't until I started writing my book and I explained this story to my mom and she goes, you know, your grandfather died two years before that. Now, being five at the time, I had no idea of that. And uh, I think the, the most impactful thing with that experience is how normal my grandmother made it seem. Like, she didn't say, oh, that's strange, or, you know, she <clears throat> her reaction was, this is a completely normal experience. And I think that really helped with all my experiences after that. You know, growing up, I can relate with that a little bit. Growing up, you had two types of people, the people that didn't want to talk about it at all. And the people that had accepted it as regular life, so to speak. And some of the, uh, like my generation, my mother and father wouldn't talk much about it. But now you get into the generation that broke that when you're talking about my aunt, my grandmother, uh, and her grandmother. They just treated it like it was second nature. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, so it's, uh, it, it's interesting that you bring that up. I think a lot of people don't understand that as culture changes so does um, the view or the viewpoint. When your grandma was growing up, it was second nature because there were still a lot of traditions involved in that. And then the traditions kind of fell away and it became kind of a, how would you put that? A hidden thing. Um, You know, kind of a, something that you talked about in, in closed doors. You didn't want to talk about ghosts because ghosts were talking about the, uh, evil and the terrible and so forth <laughs> yeah i would understand that so you moved well, we along have... from that obviously oh, cool. i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off there you moved along from no, that obviously um, um go, go ahead. Ahead. no no you're fine go ahead we're here to share your story <laughs> oh i was just going to say that um because of that experience it was actually not until middle school when I had another experience with some friends of mine that I didn't know this wasn't an everyday natural occurrence for everyone else. And I I was outside um, playing on a playground. This was probably about, oh gosh, fourth, fifth grade. And uh, there was this old house. It was like kind of a Victorian house across this um playground and they were remodeling it and i was just watching because i i love this house it was so beautiful and uh, as they were remodeling it they had all the windows open and once again (laughs) from window to window there was these three blue orbs that kept passing through each window and two of my friends came over and they's like you know they say that house is haunted and i looked and i said yeah it is and they're (laughs) they're just looked at me in their astonishment, like, what do you mean, you know? And I said, well, there's these orbs that just keep going from window to window. And they just had this look on their face, like, oh, my God, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, freak, oh, my God, you know. And I'm like, oh. (laughs) And after that experience, it was actually quite a few years before I even told anyone, you know, about the things I could see or hear or do. And it was 
not until, I guess, high school when I started, you know, trying to open back up about it again. Well, it's tough when you're growing up. And I know that because I lived in a haunted home, trying to talk to your friends about it um, becomes a, a real task in itself because you have a lot of people that will stare at you as if you're strange. They look at you like you're nuts. <laughs> or from another planet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I got that a lot. <laughs> Yeah, it's uh, not an easy thing. Once you figure out how to um, and you start realizing that people around you also are just as um, interested in the paranormal, and most of them have had experiences, then it starts to unload a little bit. Like uh, when I was growing up, I didn't talk about my haunted home. Uh, even though my friends knew about it, I didn't talk about the experiences I had, even though a lot of my friends had decided not to come around eventually because of it. But as I started to get to be right around 17 to 22 years old, I realized that most of my friends, with the exception of maybe two or three, had had some sort of paranormal experience. And most of them were in the same boat that I was, even though they weren't dealing with it on a regular basis or seeing it they were afraid to talk about it because if you talked about it, people would think you were nuts. So I can definitely relate with that a little bit. So moving up uh, through your teenage years, obviously you had a little bit of a struggle there. Did you manage to have friends that understood what was going on and kind of just accepted that and, and even asked you questions? Uh, not until I got into college. Uh, then I seemed to found a pocket of friends that were more acceptable and just, they were curious. By then it was all curiosity and, uh, I mean, it got to the point where I was actually, uh, conducting past life readings in our student lounge <laughs> So it got a lot more open than than it was growing up. Well, that's interesting in itself. College is a different phase, I guess you could say. The, the people in, in, in college are a lot more open. Um, and they, they're willing to discuss it. They're willing to talk about it. They're willing to uh, even admit it sometimes and, and uh, share their experiences and so forth. I've learned that from being from not only helping teach in college because of the paranormal, but uh, going there myself. I think the first experiences I started cataloging was from the ages of 19 to about 24 years old. And that was while I was working with college students and running around at the college campuses because it seems like every college student I ran into had some sort of story. <laughs> yeah. I got uh, to a point, too, where people were coming and asking for help. And there was one instance where I wished he hadn't come help. It was a rather intense, scary story. Well, you can feel free to share that if you want to. I mean, the show is all about you, but a part of the paranormal is people understanding that uh, um, there is some scary things to the paranormal. It's not all fun and games and running around at locations and putting teams together and um, – well, what most people think it is by watching television. <laughs> I, I would wholeheartedly agree with that because after the whole incident with my grandmother, I can 
officially say most of my encounters went pretty dark and just unknown, (laughs) but not all of them, but a majority of them. And a lot of the encounters were with uh, shadow people and shadow creatures, I would say. Shadows are are unique. Um, I mention that because I've had my experience with, I like to call it a black mass, because most of the time you won't see shadows, but there are times where that can be a problem. Um, And there are times where they're real. Most of the time that you see a shadow, it's out of the corner of your eye. It's depth perception and interpretation and the mind trying to decipher that. But what happens when it's staring right in front of you? Uh, and moving around well i can tell you it's happened to me so it is real (laughs) it is very real it has happened to me on more than one occasion um i even had uh let's see the the most terrifying when i was young is uh i was asleep one night and i woke up to a black shadow hovering directly over me and it was very dense i could not see the ceiling through it and I found out I was paralyzed. I could not move arms, legs. All I could do was move my head from side to side. Wow. And uh, I could not figure out what to do. Um, at the time, I, my mom was laying right next to me. And I turned my head in a split second to try to yell for her to wake up. And I went to yell, Mom, and I couldn't even talk. It was completely gone. And all I could do was turn my head over back to the other side and look at the clock and, you know, see what time it is and uh, just try to wish it to go away. And uh, I looked back up and it was still there. And uh, it it lingered over me for about 20 minutes until I turned my head back and just tried to close my eyes and wait for it to go away. Wow. Wow. But that that experience has definitely stuck with me to this day. Yeah, I and I can relate with that a little bit. I've I've um, only seen a dark mass twice in my life, uh, and the first one was a very crueling experience. That unfortunately I can't share it on uh, on the radio right now because it's going on to television here soon. But uh, it was an experience that I tell people. You know, if you've never been through it before, it's not something you want. I know a lot of uh, listeners, I know a lot of you go out and search for the paranormal. And I I get that, okay, because I'm a scientist. I determine a lot of things. I look into a lot of things myself. I'm the guy that jumps straight in. If somebody sends out an invitation and says, hey, this graveyard or this area is supposed to have 27 demons and nobody sleeps there, 13 people have died, whatever it is. I'm the guy that will go there, put a sleeping bag out, and go to sleep for the night. Um, But it is not something that I encourage everybody to do. Now, there's reasoning behind that because, first off, you have to mentally be able to do this. Uh, Any fear factor, even if it's real or not real, is going to be interpreted by the brain and yourself, and it can cause some really serious issues. And the second thing is every now and then, you will run into something that is real. And if you don't know how to handle that and you're not prepared for that, it's not only a scary situation, you may not get out intact. 
And I know that because I've been in those situations. Shoot, I still have some bruises from a couple of them. So um, I can understand it being quite scary and quite grueling. When you were developing these, and I'm going to call them gifts, uh, when you were developing these gifts and you were actually seeing ghosts and other things that are around you, did you consider this a gift that you were going to use in the future or for a while? Did you actually consider it as something that was a curse more than anything else and try to avoid it? Uh, certain gifts of mine, I would definitely call them gifts. Uh, <coughs> the ones that let me uh, see and speak to loved ones and other people who have passed on, I, I definitely consider a gift. Because even in the hardest times in my life, I've always been able to reach out to them. And even if I don't get, like, a verbal response, I always get, you know, like like someone, like, touching me when I'm sleeping or, you know, just to let me know it, they're there and it's comforting. Uh-huh. Uh, there has been other gifts that I, I do think are kind of a curse. <laughs> um Albeit that they are scary, I, I don't think I would change anything about what I do have. Because even when they're scary, you still learn what is out there and how to deal with it and maybe how to help others deal with it. I can understand that. Um, part of the process of being in the paranormal is educating other people within the paranormal. And if you have gifts, if you have abilities, then you're, the more you learn them, the more you want to help people because a lot of times we experience this stuff alone. We don't have somebody to guide us. We don't have anybody to talk to about it. So it feels good to be able to give back. Um, I do that a lot with the educational field. But uh, I can understand from a standpoint because I don't have any gifts personally. Well, technically I have one, but I don't discuss it because it's not a pretty gift and I'm not proud of it. Um, but, uh, you know, it's one of those things that uh, it makes you feel better knowing that you help somebody because maybe they didn't have to go through the exact same thing you did, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yes. <clears throat> so... Um, We've talked a little bit about uh, your first set of experiences. Obviously, you developed that a little bit. Now, how long have you been in the paranormal per se as a community? Um, I would say a few years, maybe about 10 or so. And, you know, the funny thing is when, when you get into the community, the community's got two different avenues to it. Have you been to any of the conventions yet? No, I haven't. The conventions have a wonderful community. Every time I have ever went to a convention, I've never ran into anything at all that would even red flag. Uh, I'm never coming back. Wonderful community, great bunch of people. You get a chance to go out to the booths. Everybody wants to share their knowledge, wants to share their experiences, wants to talk to you. It's a wonderful, wonderful environment. And then you have the social media environment. <laughs> yeah, you have to watch out for that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, the social, social media is kind of a, a double-edged blade, so to speak. Um, you have a I would great agree bunch with of that. 
Yeah, you have, you have a great bunch of people, and they're always willing to share. And I've learned a lot of times that's in the metaphysical world more than the paranormal investigator world. And then you have the other side that, uh, well, I don't even know how to explain them. So we won't even go there. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, being in it fairly new, I would say, you say about 10 years in total, most of that is personal experience and helping a few other people. You're just not getting out into the community yourself. Um, I ask yeah. everybody this when they when they just open up. What are your first impressions of the physical paranormal community right now? What I mean by physical is what you see on social media, what you see on YouTube, you know, what you see that's out there that people think is the reality of the paranormal. I would say they have about eighty percent of it right. <laughs> just from uh, my experiences alone, I think their perception on it is. Almost true, um, though I wish some people would stop, you know, my well, in my terms, poking the bear a little bit, uh, you know, using tools that they really shouldn't and leaving doors wide open. But other than that, I, I think they're on the right track. And I, I think mostly the community has given me what I needed to be more open about my experiences and my gifts. And I think that it's leading me to try to be more open with other people. Well, you know, there is one positive thing about the outreach on social media and the television community and the community. That's what you said there. Most people do not give anybody enough credit there, but Without all of you producing videos, and I know every one of you argue amongst each other, all of you out there that are listening to me that are investigators, you know my opinion on things because I've been in it for, gosh, almost almost 30 years in total. Almost. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm a pretty old fart. <laughs> um, you, you should pat yourself on the back about that, all the way down to um, – some uh, acquaintances of mine that started the whole thing in uh, Ghost Hunters, it opened up a community. It did exactly what you're saying, and that is you're able to talk about it. Uh, before that, most of us were alone. If you didn't have a niche group of people that were actually in university settings or the handful of people, and at one point it was a handful of people that were actually doing paranormal investigations for the Catholic Church, um, you really didn't have anywhere to go. You were kind of on your own. <laughs> and then here, uh, social media and television pops out, and, and the first thing that they basically tell you is, hey, you're not alone. So people started watching, and that's a good thing. That really is. I know a lot of people concentrate on the negative of television all the time, but you brought up a very valid point, and that is that... Uh, even when we don't have it right, we have open doors to a lot of people being able to jump out into the paranormal. And we should still encourage that, whether it be on social media, your YouTube channel, or, for, or so forth. If somebody's just coming out the doors, don't tear them down. Help them out. You know what I'm saying? Does that, does that make sense? <laughs> oh, it definitely does because it, it's – kind of hard and it's lonely to have a part of you that you can't share with other people that people are going to have opinions and just kind of put you in a corner and it's better that you can share your experiences and find other people that are willing to share with you and not 
have you in a corner by yourself. Yeah. Or down you because to, because your experiences are very real to you and you're still learning them. You've been on your own this whole time. And it, it, one of the most terrible things I know when I first came out into the investigator field, I had been in the university study for years. But when I first came out into the investigator field, one of the things that almost made me quit was the fact that I went out there looking and I got hammered. And then I started thinking, and this is why I always talk to people like yourself and I'm always very polite and try to educate people on Facebook and I, you know, experiences are very personal to each person. You really shouldn't do that. You shouldn't hammer people. Everybody's personal experience matters and they, they're all in it on, on their own until they can share it. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Now I've, I've caught a lot of bad energy from the media and I, I've stayed away from it for quite a while until, you know, I found the right people to talk to because if you find the wrong ones first, you're more often than not just shut down and not want to talk about it at all, which leads to a lot of great stories being lost and experiences. There are, there are. And those stories should be told. Um, that's something I think that even in and I, I struggle with this all the time when I'm talking to people. Everybody says science and the paranormal doesn't mix. And a lot of times it's because a lot of people slam the experiences. But reality is, if you're a true scientist, you're going to collect every one of those stories and every one of those experiences. And you're going to have them in a nice little binder to find out which ones are accurately matching each other. Um, because your experience and what you saw, if 132 other people saw it, that's a pretty significant number of people. If 1,132 people saw the same thing, that's a larger significant number. Um, if you can get that up into the millions of people saw the exact same thing, there's something there. <laughs> Definitely. <clears throat> so let's go a little bit further. Um, now you're in the paranormal a little bit, obviously, and you've been spending about 10 years. You're in the community itself. So... What is uh, what are your plans? I guess so. What do you, what do you plan on doing at this point? Being new to the investigation field, but not new to the paranormal, you've probably seen and witnessed a lot of things. You're just not getting out into the community. You probably have a lot of hmm. Should I do this? Should I do that? Should I do this? I do. Uh, my very first step right now is to been. Uh, I'm working on my book um, that pretty much goes through all the major experiences I've had over the past 30 years. Uh, that's been my major leap. Um, I've also uh, have a diploma in uh, parapsychology, and I'm working on metaphysics as well. And after that, I'm not really sure yet. <laughs> you know, that's something about the paranormal is you're always consistently expanding. Um, metaphysics is a fascinating um, thing to study, by the way, it's uh, it's a lot of out of the box thinking, and I love out of the box thinking. I mean, I can logically deduce and think of every situation. I can tell you a thousand times if you're an investigator what you're doing right and wrong because everybody's done it before. Um, but when you start getting into theory, and then you get into physics, and then you start getting into metaphysics, which talks about more than just that. It combines the energy, the earth, all kinds of other things. It's fascinating 
fascinating place. And I have never met a negative person that studies metaphysics yet. <laughs> it's really fun. It's a great place to be because it's all about energy and healing and, and upbeat positivity and how to fight the evils in your life. And there's a lot of different concepts to it, I guess you could say. <laughs> I think that's what drew me to it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's an amazing, amazing thing that uh, most people don't give a lot of credit to. Um, you should go out to some of the conventions. Um, you, you'd be fascinated. Go, and, go to some of the psychic conventions. You'll meet a lot of people in metaphysics. You'll meet a lot, a lot of healers, uh, a lot of card readers. I ironically had a card reading about five weeks ago, and I'm not much on uh, card readings, by the way. But uh, she did very, very well. I, I see it a little differently than most people. It's a lost talent. It's a talent that you kind of tap into your own gifts and from gifts of observation to how you're how you're picking up on the feelings of another person and their reactions. And then the cards kind of fill in those gaps so that you can determine things. That's why it's never 100 percent. It's a lost art form. Um, there's a lot of those things that tap into metaphysics that people don't give enough credit to, including as much as I'm a skeptic on it, psychic mediumship. Uh, I've had the great privilege in the past two years now, and several of them have been on my show, of meeting some of the more well-known psychic mediums across the uh, United States and Canada. And I got to tell you, they surprised me. <laughs> well, they did. I always wondered uh, if I would surprise people. <laughs> well, most of them are just, it just becomes natural. You know that if you have your own guests, it just becomes natural to them. One of them, very delightful lady here in the United States, was on my show, and I'll probably get her on the show again eventually because I love her to death. The first time I met her, she literally described my whole house in detail. Um, oh, wow. She'd never been there before. I've never taken any pictures of anything outside of my office. She also described my messy bedroom and how much laundry was piled in the back and how I needed to clean it, which oh, nobody would have known. Yeah, so she was really precisely detailed on being able to explain my whole house through the eyes of a uh, through the eyes of I'll let I'll let this go through the eyes of a ghost that I have told nobody about. It was a situation in my life that I shared with four people. There's no way she should have known about it, and here she's telling me, you know what, this ghost after she passed has been with you ever since she passed, and this is why, this is a situation that happened. She wanted me to tell you this, and she's also the one that just walked me around your house and said, clean it up, Chris. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, so, oh, my gosh. Yeah, so she was 100% on the nose with me, and I don't say that that often. I've never met a medium in my life until her and one other medium that was 100% on the nose. There was one in, in Canada that I developed a fairly good friendship with, and uh, she's been on my show twice, and we've never met in person, but we've talked over the phone, and she very distinctively told me a few things, including the ulcer that I have from working too much without knowing me at all. She's, she just told it out. I, I had just went to the doctor, never didn't tell anybody this, and she told me, Chris, you need to take a vacation. You've got a stomach ulcer. It's bleeding right now. The doctor told you that today. She just laid it all out, and there's no way she could have known it. 
<laughs> oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> so, so I believe there's something there, definitely. It's just how you each person has to hone it on their own because they don't have anybody to train them. I've had that experience where I come across people and they're like, oh, my gosh, read me, read me. And I'm like, that's not exactly how it works. And they're like, <laughs> what do you mean? I'm like, I meet people, certain abilities kick in, others don't. And it's just, it's just what I pull from your energy. It's not, you know, it doesn't just instantaneously kick in because you came up to me. You know, but it, it's hard to explain to people. And other people are just so open that it just naturally happens, and I can tell them anything they need to know. Well, and it's a lot like I'm sure what you just said, and that is each person, since this isn't a training manual and you don't have guides and mentors like sales or marketing or anything else, um, you have to learn these things on your own, which means these abilities come to you on your own. So you have to learn how to deal with them, and it's a little bit different with each person. And it's never quite how they spell it out in books and TV when they say, oh, it's just like this. No, it's not like that. It's different with each person, and each person has to learn how to gauge that based off of their knowledge. Um, and then you kind of get advanced in what you know, and if you connect with somebody else, maybe they'll teach you something new. And, hey, look, I got a new ability. <laughs> and I've learned, too, that your abilities can change with the different people you meet and their energy. Like it can morph and change your ability. And I'm, that was an interesting turn of events. <laughs> I, I never forget the time when I, I first heard somebody's thoughts and, oh my gosh, that just blew my mind. I, <laughs> I was working at a computer and my friend next to me and, I could have swore he said, oh, this class is boring. And I looked at him and I said, what did you say? And he's like, I didn't say anything. And I'm like, oh, Lord. <laughs> he goes, and I said to him, I thought you just said this class is boring. He goes, no, but I thought it. And I'm like, oh, no, <laughs> not another one. <laughs> but then I learned with that one, that one was very unique ability because the only way I can describe it is it's like tuning in a radio. You hear white noise, and then if you happen to go by somebody that's just tuned in just right, then you can hear what they're thinking. But it, it doesn't happen very often, and you have to be really tuned in to that person. Well, you know, it's ironic that you say that, because there's a study going on right now with what people do with EVP and white noise. Um, and it's all connected to exactly what you said. Harvard University is actually working on this study, and I probably shouldn't talk about it, but I'm sure they're not going to say anything about it that's still working on it. And I can't release very many details on it because even I myself don't have a lot of them. But uh, several college professors believe that all memories and and just like quantum physics, all memories are attached to each other. They're all a part of the process in the brain, and each brain is theoretically connected to each brain. We just don't know it because our brain activity is not used on that level. They also believe that thoughts transfer and travel, much like any other type of radio frequency or energy. Um, and they're actually trying to see if they can come up with that theory plausibility with a little bit of proof. Now, I don't know exactly how they're doing that or not, but it fascinates me because you're the only person that has talked about a situation like that other than the few people I've talked to on the phone in the past two months that are conducting a part of the study. And uh, 
I could very easily see that happen. A lot of people think that EVP and some of these recordings that they're getting are always ghost communications. But what if they're not? What if they're actually thoughts? Nobody's ever even considered that. Sometimes they can relate to ghosts because you're in the right location and you've got it matched 100%. Oh my God, somebody responded to me. But how do we know that some of those things, especially since you can pick up EVP anywhere, I could get it here right now. How do we know that that's not somebody's thoughts? Just kind of traveling along and we got lucky and caught one. <laughs> that, that is very possible. I have an EVP app and <coughs> sometimes random words will just come through. Sometimes I think it's actually people, but then... Sometimes I've noticed that certain thoughts or different things will come through that I've thought about or that I might think that other people in the room are thinking about. And I could I could very well see that happening. Yeah, I mean, it's plausible. I know that you can sit out digital recorders anywhere, and no matter where you are. You can sit out a digital recorder and let it run for 24 hours straight. And if you play back all 24 hours, the odds are you're going to catch an electronic voice phenomenon somewhere on that tape that you shouldn't have. Um, especially if you're monitoring it. If you're sitting in that room for 24 hours straight, you know you're the only person in the room, you know what you're doing, you just let it record all day long. When you play it back, you're going to pick up something and you're going to go, what the heck was that? <laughs> that sounds like an experience I have, which I, I believe that thoughts, energy memory can be transferred through energy through to one person through another i've had instance where i walk by a person and their complete life story just throw flows right through me and i know more about these people than i ever thought i would know i was sitting in an office one day and this lady <clears throat> comes in and just plops down in the chair beside me and her son went back to the back and I just felt this energy just come over me from her and I knew about her personal life, who she was seeing at the time, why she was, you know, there, why her son was there. And I'm like, okay, this is a lot to know just from somebody entering a room, <laughs> but I've had it happen quite a few times. But then on the flip side of that too, with the, personal personal information sometimes you also get the negative energy and the negative you know thoughts energies that come with people and i think sometimes that lingers with you longer than the positive well it's because as a as a human race we're naturally inclined to the negative we have a what if factor we have to overcome um, in fact, I'm, I'm doing I'm doing a seminar on this this uh, this summer for motivational speaking. There are three things that every human being has to coexist with and figure out how to get around. And they're the words: "What if?" "Must be nice," and "I'll never." If you can get past "What if?" "Must be nice," and "I'll never," generally everything you run into is 100% positive. But we're bred that way. We're always looking for something negative. We're always concentrating on how we're going to take care of our family, how we're going to get our car repaired, how we're going to pay the electric bill, how we're going to get the next job, where we're going to go next, how are we going to take care of the baby we just had. It's, it's, it's in human nature. So it's easier to be stuck on the negative, if that makes sense. 
Yes, it does. <laughs> the what ifs and, usually overrun everything. <laughs> yeah, well, and it's amazing because if you take five minutes of your life every single day, no matter how bad it gets, and you step out and you smell the roses and you come back in and you just clear your mind, you'd be surprised how happy you'll be, even in the worst situation. But most people don't do that because we get stuck in the everyday life. We get stuck in the what ifs, must be nice, I'm never going to get there. What if, must be nice, I'm never going to get there. Um, and it, it's a tough cycle to break. And shoot, I've, I've been breaking it most of my life and I still have problems with it. <laughs> it is a tough cycle. I well, found that... Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to do a few ads here, and then we'll come back and, and start talking a little bit more. Listeners, you've been listening to BBS Radio. BBS Radio, just so that you know, is one of the largest digital radio stations here in the United States of America. If you're going to go with the best, I do encourage you to go with Donald and his brother. Great guys. They've been taking good care of me for well over two years now, I do believe, so go with BBS. A couple of other announcements, just so that you know. Ohio State Reformatory, May 6th, will be doing the Paris Icon. I will be there. Uh, I do believe Grant Wilson will be there, but don't hold it to me. There are going to be two other ghost uh, hunters there. Uh, Kindred Spirits will be there. Paranormal Journeys will be there. Chip Coffee will be there. All the booths will be set up. You're going to have a chance to, to uh, sit with most of the stars. I'm not a star on the roster, by the way, just so everybody knows, but you are welcome to come by the booth. The radio station will be running for WCGT, and I will be doing a live broadcast from here. Yep, that's right, for BBS Radio that Friday night at the Ohio State Reformatory. Maybe we can get Chip on. That would be really cool. <laughs> um, a couple of other quick announcements just so that you know. There have been some changes. Recently, Generation Truth did sell off their documentary rights. Though the documentary will be aired on television, to my understanding, and I cannot tell you what, it is no longer in my control. I sold off the script rights as well as the documentary videotape that we've been doing for the past two years. Now, there is a reason behind this. To be honest with you, I simply do not have the time to do it, and it was taking a massive loss because of that. So it was smarter to sell it to a network and production company and let them just roll with the punches, call everybody back, do additional interviews, build the script, and put something together perfect. In addition to that, just so that you're aware, we are no longer supporting Ghost Sight or NICAM currently. The inventor himself has decided to take a sabbatical for personal reasons, which I can certainly understand. The camera will be back on the market. However, unfortunately, without the, um, without the inventor in the forefront due to the situation, we had to kind of remove that from the promotion line. NICAM will return. Ghost Sight will return just so that everybody knows. But as with everybody, sometimes when you work your butt off for two years, you just need a break. So I wish them luck, and we'll see them back soon. We are talking to Kaylee. Kaylee is actually a, um, a very special gifted individual. She's been in the paranormal for 10 years. So here in the last 15 minutes or so, we're just going to dive back in. Um, so Kaylee, what do you want to share with the uh, listeners tonight? There's a whole big world of paranormal stuff that a lot of people don't know about. What would be your best advice to people that are just opening up in the paranormal and thinking, hmm, maybe I should do this? Take, take the leap. Uh, but be cautious of 
who you talk to first, you know, find the right community, find the right group of people. And even if you have a bad experience or two, you know, just keep going and until you find people who will back you and listen to you and not make you feel bad for what you have. They're out there. <laughs> I mean, I, I honestly, I took a leap tonight. I honestly have never talked to anybody about my experiences before. So I, I would say do it. It's worth it. Well, we appreciate you coming on, obviously. I think, um, if you've ever paid attention to my page, I, I'm a little different than most people anyway. It, it's all about the people. And in the long run, that's what's important. I can educate you on the science. I can educate you on the research. I can talk your leg off about science and research and all the big things that go over everybody's head. But ultimately, in the end, it's all about the relationships you build, the experience and journey you're on, and the passion that you have. And that is a lot of times overlooked by many, many people, but something that I love to keep into the mix. I have a very close-knit situation of friends. A lot of them, I, I get asked a lot of times, well, why are you going to have him on the show? Or well, why do you talk to him? Well, reality is I talk to them because they are very positive. They do have a lot of passion. They don't care what other people think. And they're in it for themselves and their journey. And I can respect that because that's what I'm in it for. I'm in it to help everybody. I'm in it for my journey. I'm in it, in it for my passion. And sometimes that passion makes you money. Sometimes it doesn't make you money. But you do it because you love it. <laughs> that's true. I would love to be able to be out there more helping people and helping people experience things, whether they're good or bad. I, I would like to do that more and to help other people with abilities understand their abilities and how to use them well i would uh you know ease it to it a little bit like you said find the people that are willing to work with you and uh you know maybe build together a little website or a little community or a little facebook page with a handful of people coming share your experiences talk to each other um now just so you know, if you build a Facebook group, because I've ran RTP, which is an educational investigator group for almost 11 years now. When you first start the group, you're going to get a wonderful bunch of people that just want their questions answered. And you're going to get some people you're going to have to kick. <laughs> yeah. um, they're they're going to punch you. They're going to make fun of you. and But it's your group. So the beauty of it is you have control. Just kick, boot them out. Don't ever talk to them again. Don't make them your friends on Facebook. And keep that little community of people that you can work with yourself and you can love and you can get along with. And you'll have your spats from time to time there. But I have developed a wonderful bunch of investigators throughout the years. Some of them I don't talk to hardly at all anymore. But I got to tell you, every one of them have taught me something and I have 100% respect for them. I've met people from the UK, John Griffiths and Kelly Berg. They've taught me an amazing amount of things. When I first got together with Kelly, Kelly was just getting into the investigator field herself. And I got to tell you, she surpassed me in the investigation field within nine months. She's so passionate about her job, she didn't realize what she was doing. I have a lot of respect for her. John Griffiths has been in the investigation world for over 23, 33 years. Though I was in science and research, I did not know very much about investigators themselves. I'd only been out a handful of times. 
and outside of my own team. So he just dove in and gave me all the information I ever needed. Um, Carl Bland is another person I met from the UK. Wonderful guy. He's a bit cocky, but I got to tell you, the conversations I've had with him, even though he and I don't talk much anymore, were fascinating. The man is brilliant. Um, you get here into the United States, I've met many, many investigators from those that have only been in it for six years to those that have been in it for 40 years, and they've all taught me something. Um, you just got to really watch the ones that you talk to. You, 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 you tend to find out real quickly who's serious about it, who can educate you, and who can't. A lot of them have been on my show here, and I can't talk enough about them. But uh, I think you got a wonderful future ahead of you, to be honest, Kaylee. I think uh, you're on the right path. You're doing what you feel is right. You're doing it out of passion. You want to help people. And rather than be like most people out there, you're noticing I'm encouraging you. And that's what should be done. That's what should be done all across the community. Encourage everybody that dives into the paranormal. We're going to get things right. We're going to get things wrong. That's just the way it is. But if we don't work together and encourage people, how's it ever going to continue? <laughs> That's very true. I, I think in the future I would like to try to do more investigating uh, out in the field. I did have a kind of a bad experience where the people I was left kind of left me in a very vulnerable state. Uh, I went... And I was actually possessed, and they kind of didn't do anything about it. And it kind of turned me off from going to places for a while. But I think if I was with people I trusted, that I would probably like to try it again. Yeah, you got to be particular on the teams you go out with. And I always encourage you to find to do your research before you go out into teams. And, and if you really want to experience it, a lot of times it's better to go out your first few times in a large group environment. Now, there's a reason behind that. If you go to a place, and I'll use Post Town as an example because Daryl's a wonderful person. Ladies and gentlemen, if you're here in Ohio, go to Post Town Elementary School. You'll never find a greater host than Daryl. Um, but uh, the first experience that I bring people to is usually a small place like Post Town or Austin Maynard's Bryan, Ohio, or something like that, where you get a group full of investigators that are all there, they usually have booths, they're at a convention, and there's a free investigation at the end of the night. Now, I tell people to do this for a reason, and I encourage you to do it the same way, because you're going to be able to scope out people there, you're going to be able to get a feel for who you can get along with, who you can't get along with, and there will always be one to five senior investigators that if something terrible happens to you, they know what's going on, they'll pull you aside, they'll try to take you out of the environment, and they'll try to encourage you to come back and tell you what happened. They'll try to educate you, remove you from the environment, make sure nothing happens to you, as opposed to just going out to one team. Because if you just go out to a team that you just met three weeks ago, four weeks ago, or a couple of months ago, you never know how they're going to react until you're actually out with them. But if you go out with a bunch of them, you always know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, going out with inexperienced friends that just kind of leave you hanging is not a good idea at all. Nope. Especially if your first place is Waverly. <laughs> <laughs> Waverly's a unique place. I've been there 15 times now. I love Tina and I love everybody there. I'll probably be going back eventually again. I've met some really good friends there, but uh, it's not something to just do on your own if you're not experienced. <laughs> no, no, definitely. Uh, and I didn't, to be honest, I did. I had so many experiences without even going into the building. We were just walking around the whole building and 
wow. <laughs> From shadow people to smells to visions to, well, getting in the car and having a, a ghost jump me while going home was very intense. <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, I'll start wrapping up the show here. I know we're on our last couple of minutes. You've been listening to Paranormal Truth and Reality. Paranormal Truth and Reality, obviously, is here with BBS Radio. We have been speaking to Kaylee. Kaylee can be found, I do believe, on Facebook. Do you have a website currently, Kaylee, or anything else outside of Facebook? Uh, just Facebook. She can be found on Facebook under Kaylee Brooks. Feel free to look her up. If you have any questions or experiences that you want to share with her, I'm sure she'd be glad to discuss those with you. She's a delightful individual. Next week, if everything works out right, speaking of Waverly, I'm trying to get a local team that is in the Kentucky area to come on, and hopefully I can get her. If you're listening tonight, I'm going to be hitting you up by this, by the way, Shannon. Um, I'm going to hopefully try to get her on if she's available next week or the week after so that we can discuss a little bit about Waverly because they just came back from there and got some interesting experiences. I'm going to end this the way I end every single show. And, of course, this is my key quote. Everybody out there has heard it before. In the paranormal, truth should always be that reality. Now, a part of that truth is not only being the experienced professional, but also understanding that everybody can share in that cup of tea. Everybody can share in that piece of cake. And everybody has an experience, a situation, or something to talk about. So the next time you're out there, on social media, or anywhere, think about that before you react. Human beings are very important, and each human being may not only be able to teach you something, but may also learn something in return from you. And we're never going to know if we don't work together. That's the show tonight. I appreciate everybody listening. We'll talk to you next week.